thing. I feel like it was very yeah. 2010 to shit on yeah. people who were getting plastic surgery. Yeah. But so for me, it was so liberating to be able to have sex and not worry about where my breasts were going or if my body sounded like it was doing a fucking standing ovation. Like <laughs> yeah, my ass and my tits were clapping. I was like, everyone calm down. I haven't even finished yet. Like, I don't need this much appreciation from my body. Like, I'm running out of breath. <laughs> like, imagine having sex with your boyfriend. It's just like. <laughs> Chemical I'm Alessia. I'm Veronica. And, and we have a special guest with us today. It's been a minute since we've had a guest on the podcast. It's because Veronica and I are very picky when we have someone on. And we always want to have the best on. So welcoming the one and only Eva. Eva. Alexa. <laughs> I'm so excited. Hi. She's wasted right now. <laughs> She's like, not yet, but like so. I don't know, with the the vodka nothing your boyfriend just made me. (laughs) He's like, here's vodka with a breeze of 7-Up. I think that 7-Up was just like... Yeah, he was like, (laughs) oh, look, there's mist. (laughs) The gesture was there. I see your love language. We love it. I accept it full drunkenly. (laughs) So we actually all met Eva. Did you meet Eva last week? Definitely not. No. Okay, so you guys, you guys know each other. We were actually fuck friends. <laughs> I've had many a nights <laughs> with Veronica. No, my I we met her. <laughs> okay. Well, Wait, no. When did we meet though? I guess I'm the we guest met. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when did we meet though? We met at, this winter. Yeah, we at met Espas. this winter. Yeah, at the club I was working at because her boyfriend was the DJ at the club. Okay. And her boyfriend is actually a fan of the podcast. Yes. So, I'm, so. I heard of you guys through him. Right. Wow. Yeah, he's Look a boyfriend. Fan. Sometimes he could be useful. What's <laughs> crazy? Well, he was telling me, he was like, yo, these girls are doing it right. Like, look at this <laughs> setup. Look at this. Look at that. And, and like, now look at that. Yeah. And now look at that. <laughs> That's what you always got to do. As soon as a guy caught your boyfriend compliments something, you're like, oh, yeah, I could do it better. Look at me on the show, bitch. <laughs> I but, know you like them. And look at me now, straight on your screen. <laughs> Thought you're gonna do some shit by yourself? Nope. Here I am. <laughs> Bing bong. No, don't don't copyright that. <laughs> don't sue me, Bing Bong Man. Um, so Eva's actually a comedian who we had the honor of going to one of my actual first shows in Montreal of comedy. So mm-hmm. normally I've been to ones in New York, and this was actually my first one in Montreal. And I have to say, it was amazing no (laughs) yes yes thanks guys not trying to flatter you too much but (laughs) well i'm drunk you can say anything to me right you can insult me right now and be like stop it (laughs) so tell us a little bit about you i know you're a comic and we love that about you but you also produce your own comedy show in montreal i do yourself out i do i produce the number one english comedy show in montreal called the kickback and i'm very proud of it um my boyfriend and i started it two years ago when wearing masks inside was like still an option like it was still a right you could choose (laughs) (laughs) and at the time him and he's probably gonna kill me for telling this story but fuck that i don't care (laughs) i'm telling i'm telling it baby (laughs) so at the time we were you know just hooking up fooling around and we were friends and i had this very very strict like i do not shit where i eat 
I will not start a business or work with someone that is sticking their pee in my V. <laughs> anyways, so we start this show together. <laughs> You're like, anyways, that didn't last. Yeah, yeah, no, it didn't work at all because, you know, we were on the couch one day just chilling and he's like, yo, like I'm a DJ. You're a comedian. Mm-hmm. Things are about to close. Why don't we just throw a party for 25 of our closest friends? My buddy runs N Bar and like they'll close off the whole space for us. And we'll just, do you think we can pull 25 people? And I was like, I don't know. So we each invited all of our past Tinder dates <laughs> to our first comedy show. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so you're all here because it didn't work out. Yeah, it was a mix of our friends way. and a couple like. <laughs> You Listen, know. the job was 25 people. Yeah. We didn't say how we would get them there. We didn't say what the rules were. A couple we said 25 people. It's kind of like any birthday I ever do. Like 100%. My actual best friends can't show up. So it's like, <laughs> start going through the DMs. Who can show up? Hey, babe. I know it's you're like a... You're hey, like, babe. I know we haven't spoken in a year, but uh, would love for you to come to my birthday. We're celebrating it here at... Even if you can't come for dinner, you should definitely pass by after. It's going to be lit. <laughs> also, it's $100 a person. <laughs> we don't to make it. <laughs> also, there's a wish list on Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, so we threw this like random show for 25 people. And it was like the concept of whatever. I'll, I'll throw a couple of my friends. Akeem was one of the first people on the show. Shout out Akeem, my boy. He always gets shout outs on this fucking thing. Oh. He's going to be here one day. Don't you worry, Akeem. Because I know you're listening. Worry, Akeem. <laughs> so Akeem is a comedian as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Akeem is one of my very good friends that I went to Vanier with okay. in college. And I started comedy in like 2016, 2015, mostly because I like I didn't want to die without trying it once or just like knowing if I could get to a certain level. But I didn't necessarily grow up and be like, I want to make fun of myself on stage forever. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be a vet or like a marine biologist or a whale writer, like one of those. Free Willy was was my favorite movie. Not appropriate in these times, but in the 90s, I was like, yo, one day I'm going to be a whale rider. <laughs> and I like, went like the like Lac-Saint-Jean, like put my hand in the water and just try to do the little flippy floppy that the boy does in the movie. And then the whale flies over his hand and I'm like, maybe a beluga will pop out of this polluted river. Like, like, I had high hopes. <laughs> Never happened. So you changed career paths, needless to say. Yeah, like... Whatever. My my roommate basically looked at me and he was like, you need to stop being a pussy. And this was when I was living in Toronto, going to Ryerson. And I was like, fine, you're right. Like, at least if I bomb, I bomb. And that's the worst that could happen. Yeah. And there we go. That sounds like the worst. I feel like when people say that, like, what's the worst I can have? No one laughs. So I'm like, yeah, that would actually leave me scarred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, like, I know you're saying, like, what's the worst? No, like, that's the worst. Like... <laughs> But that's it. That's the worst, right? And it's like, okay, after yeah. that. And, and you know, it would be a little bit self-centered for me to be like, those people will never forget how bad I was. <laughs> no, no. They will live every day being like, do you remember that shit brown girl? <laughs> like, oh in that tiny basement bar? I will never forgive that day. <laughs> you know, the thing is about being a comedian, I feel, is like, you're actually, like, the results are there. Like, if nobody laughs, like, you kind of feel like, 
oh, I didn't do my job properly, right? Because people are coming there to laugh. Where it's like, I feel like you're really putting yourself out there. Where a lot of people like try things and they're like, if it doesn't work out, like, right. it's fine. There's no audience to There's watch no you fail. There's no audience. Like, even though whatever, there's an audience on social media and stuff like that. It's different, I feel, when you're actually live performing. So, how's that balls? Like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, honestly, I could use some manscape right now for real. Cause I just got this boob job and I have not been able to move my arms for like a month. And apparently me and my boyfriend had like blackout sex on Friday and I do not remember. Super embarrassed. <laughs> that conversation was so awkward because like, okay, I don't mean to change subjects, but can we just we grow up, right? Yes. And all of our parents are like, men only want one thing. <laughs> don't forget that like men only want one thing and i'm like what is it they're like your vagina and i'm like no way (laughs) they want my vagina stop like thank you (laughs) oh my god i have the thing that men want yeah i have the secret to their desires like wait (laughs) it's not what we think it is me (laughs) it really isn't and when I started dating Micah, you know, I had lost all the weight. I had this like increased libido. I was like ready to bang. Like, <laughs> let's do this. But, you know, the thing is, is that I find women are the hornier species. I think guys always think they're hornier until they meet a girl who can like match that. And then they're like, wait. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. And also like there's definitely a double standard where yeah. it's like they're like, men are this way and men do this but it's like yeah you should meet some women women are the same too like yeah just meet the right women yeah yeah, yeah. Like, women are hor- i mean we have a friend of ours <laughs> 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 who's the friend shout the name <laughs> no i'm not gonna do it but one of our friends like so the way i met her is her and my boyfriend used to hook up like way back in the day, right? And I love all my coochie sisters. Like some of my best (laughs) friends are my coochie sisters. Like my boyfriend has fantastic taste in women. Like what do you want from me? You know, like they're all wonderful people. Yeah, I'm like, thank God your exes aren't trash. Well, it's like, okay, you like hot girls, so I'm hot. Like hot smart girls. So how was it the first time you um, did your first show? Where were you? I was in Toronto. It was at this tiny little basement bar called the Ossington. And I decided it would be a great idea for me to get super stoned and drink a lot of beer before the show. That sounds like such a good recipe for disaster. (laughs) It was. And then I walk in and there's only five people in the audience. All five people are comics. And I was so nervous that I went up. And the only thing I can really remember saying is like, Toronto, why are you so cold? Sometimes when I bend over and do yoga, I fart. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, I I ate shit. I bombed, but I left so happy. Right. I was like, it's done. That's the band-aids ripped off. Right. That was the worst that could happen. Like, when do like I get to do this next? From here. Yeah. I feel that way about our podcast. Like at the beginning <laughs> episodes, I'm like, they're so bad. Like, you couldn't pay me to watch. <laughs> you actually could not pay me to watch. Well, thankfully, you have no footage of your first one because we have footage. So. Oh, we have footage. And people can, you know, <laughs> find us. People can listen to this right now and go straight back to the beginning. So, how long have you guys been doing this for? 
almost two years. Yeah. Oh, guys, happy anniversary to us. Everyone's been doing their show two years. I know. Cheers. Oh my as well i know i feel like a lot of things changed when quarantine happened we were like how can we how can we start something that'll show our personalities but that'll also have us like kind of like have the rights to what we want to kind of say and put out and a podcast was just it yeah i think that covid actually pushed a lot of creatives to think about what was next because it just leveled everybody on the same yeah. playing field like yeah no matter who you were how much money you made like fuck you you're you you're go going home yeah. buddy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, stay in your motherfucking house because yeah. covid don't care if you're fisher doesn't care yeah. if you're diplo it doesn't care if you're ariana grande everybody inside yeah yeah but it does care if you're certain certain people because they went to islands and shit so. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> i guess I that's the contradicting that comment it's there but. it's weird like yeah. I think politicians like, not included ever started this podcast if covid was never a thing like think about that i don't think the kickback would have been a thing i wasn't planning on coming back to montreal at all i was done with comedy wow yeah yeah, yeah. wait why were you done with comedy well, well how, wait Let's pedal it back. Yeah. Why don't you walk yeah. us through your comedy journey? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to we'll, walk we'll us through the comedy journey. <laughs> I know my ADD is so bad. You guys are going to have we'll to put, put me in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my grade three teacher did not succeed in that task. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I started in Toronto and I did like one show and then I came back to Montreal. I was like 22 years old. And I started on the open mic circuit at the Comedy Nest and doing a couple, you know, bars here and there. But I constantly like I knew I was funny and I always had like a keem to kind of push me and just be like, no, you're hilarious, blah, blah, blah. But my thing was that I was a big girl back then. I made a lot of jokes that were self-deprecating, but were still like true to me. Yeah. Like regardless if like Amy Schumer was the thing at the time and she was doing self-deprecating humor, you know, what happens a lot in the comedy community is that especially with women, people only know like a handful of female comics. So if you're funny at all to their standards, they're going to compare you to the first female comic that you remind them of or they know. Right. So if I'm doing fat girl jokes, oh, well, Amy Schumer does fat girl jokes right. and she's not funny. So you're not funny or, you know, it was, it was a couple things like that. And I knew I was funny. I was making people laugh and my friends would always come out. But what happened then, like in that time, was that people would kind of like degrade it and be like, oh, like, her friends show up and that's the only reason why they laugh. And yeah. that's the only reason she's getting laughs because her friends are there to support her. And she's a bringer. She's not actually a real comic. You're a real comic if you can go in front of an empty audience and make people laugh. I call those people dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, imagine I let it gaslight me for so long. And then I submitted a tape to Gotham in New York City to get on. Mm-hmm. And Akeem came with me on that trip and I got accepted. Wow, amazing. So I went to Gotham in New York City, which is like a huge comedy club. I've, like you I've, walk I've in. Yeah, you walk yeah. in, you just see like every famous comedian and their moms on the wall. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm doing this. Now, it's still not easy. Like you get booked at Gotham and then you need to bring 10 people. Oh, really? So, there's yes. like requirements? Yes, yes, yes. In Tinder New York City, Tinder there's a dates. lot of requirements. Yeah, those Tinder dates. Did you swipe on that? No, I got all my greasy Greek cousins in Astoria, Queens, baby. <laughs> I called in the troops. I was like, we did not breed for nothing. You guys, <laughs> you guys like, all 
Palaces, we need yeah. you. To, we need you to square up. All the call of tourists need to show up for me right now. So you know, my cousins came out and Akeem was there, so I was able to get my ten. But you know, even at that, sometimes you go back to your city and then other people will see that and be like, oh, what a big deal. Do you want to yeah. be on my show now? And it kind of... That's what it always is. Yeah, you you always have to get famous somewhere else for your city to notice you. Is that not the craziest oh God, thing? I could not agree with you more on that. Wow. People just need to see that other people like you too so that it's like allowed for them to find you. Like as soon as... That's, it's it's it, so fucked up. It's like... La- laughing is contagious but hating is also contagious oh, yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's like as soon as people are like oh wait so she was good enough to go there okay maybe she is funny you know mm-hmm. which is fucked up but you know what it's the name of the game and you you cracked it so that's good <laughs> yeah. nice mamas we're gonna keep cracking it though i also <laughs> i i feel like female comics though and like female producers of podcasts like they really are very critical of themselves and like yes i know we should be kinder and all of that but i think the self-reflection is good i think yeah. that if you go into something continuously wanting to improve yeah you're gonna get better at it i've seen more people screw up by being like bombing on stage and coming off me like i fucking killed it it was not sick <laughs> yeah. my pedophile joke was awesome right. <laughs> and i'm like Ugh. you know what it is mm. though it's like i feel like the people who have so much to say are the people who never really took the time to actually put themselves out there in order to even like fail Mm -hmm. so it's like for me i'm learning that the opinions of people who never took like who were brave enough to take a chance to even start anything don't affect me anymore like it actually goes right over my head if it's critique coming from somebody who is in the space or who has like the knowledge then i'm so for listening but i don't really and maybe that's fucked up but i don't really care to listen to somebody who has not even done it for themselves. Yeah. So. Not only that, but not even someone that like you look up to or yeah. admire, which is always something I've said, right? Like like you were saying, you know, like people refer you to Amy Schumer, but in a way, technically, like it's a good thing because there's somebody out there that's doing it. So for you, you have a role model that you can look up to. It's like for us in the podcast, everyone's like, oh, you're trying to be called a daddy. But it's like, we're not going to hate on that because she's super successful. So if that's what we have to look up to and that's where we can get to, then I'm so happy that we have like that person to be like, we can get there. Yeah. You know, it makes it more, um, how do you say it? Like achievable. Right. I guess. I think it's pretty validating as well because I mean, you know, I come from a marketing background as well. Like I'm not just a comic. So you have to look at things from a very realistic perspective, right? People are so sensitive. Artists are the most sensitive people on earth. Like, I cry all the time. (laughs) Cancer rising, what's up? (laughs) Just tears every day. But at the same time, it's when it comes to people benchmarking, which essentially is all it is, right? You see something, you get inspired by it. You want to do it, you make it your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People have written multiple essays on the same topic. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal it should only push you to go to the next level, if anything, and you're creating a new standard every time you evolve. So, you know, even if people copied our format, it's not like my format was completely original for the kickback either. right. Right? A free shot is something that we do at European weddings, and open bar is something we do at European weddings. A DJ on stage is something I pulled from Ellen, Mm -hmm. growing up with Ellen, and then the entertainment and the interaction and the big lights and the big this come from my time at Club Med. 
Right. It's like everything we go through in life are experiences that we kind of just like bottle up and like make one. Exactly. Yeah. I'll never regret quitting comedy for three years. I think so it was the best you. thing. Yeah. Well, my home life was very rough. So okay. to give like a background context, um, my mother in 2009 had like a herniated disc and she was very overweight and she had a surgery that got bad and she was prescribed Oxycontin. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So from grade nine up until most of my life, like when you're a kid and you see your parents with like a pill bag, you're like, oh, this is normal. Old people have pill purses. And I'm like, my mom had like a clutch and shit. Like, <laughs> like she had a bad surgery. She needed painkillers. And this was before the opioid crisis became a crisis. This was 2009 when they're like, this is this drug and oxycodone is going to fix everything and blah, 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 blah. So my mom got hooked. And as a 14-year-old, I didn't understand that she was not only bedridden from pain, but bedridden because she was so stoned off of painkillers. So for... You know, the majority of my life, I was making my mom toast and cheeses and rubbing her back after school and having to ditch parties and never going out because I had to come back home and take care of mom and do this and do that. So, you know, I think that when we're young and like we're even when we're 18 and we're 20 and we have our girl gang and all this kind of stuff, your actions are so taken face value that even your friends might not understand what's going on because I didn't even understand what was going on. I was right. like, my mom had a surgery and she's just sick and she's on yeah. oxy. And, you just go with it. Yeah, and like her mood swings and her this and her that and the Greek guilt, like this is all things that are normal and this is just my culture, my culture, my culture, my culture. The The screaming and the guilt trips are my culture. So it got to the point that I was 25. I had felt like I got to a certain level in comedy where I was like, I'm funny. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> I just, I, that's all I need. I'm not defined by one career. I'm funny. I did it. I could die happy. I made it to New York. But if I do not leave Montreal and I do not figure out who the hell I am, that's not Jenny's daughter or Jim's daughter or Nassie's right. sister or Kayla's friend. Or if I don't figure out who Eva truly is, I'm going to die. And that's how I felt. Yeah. Like when I saw my few, I was very depressed. I only saw black when I saw my future and I was like, okay, I have built myself up to a certain level. I've kept good relationships. If I'm meant to be a comic, I need to trust God and take this time for myself mm -hmm. and figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I applied for Club Med and it was like the best experience of my life. The hardest experience of my life as well because like, you know, the thing is, it's a European company. So I escaped Montreal also being like, I'm going to go <laughs> live with Fernando and like meet my Dominican lover. And like, this is what's going to I'm just going to be that girl. Like, you know, I'm just going to run away to an island. <laughs> Little did I know it was like a French owned company from France. So I arrive in the Dominican. I moved to a country completely by myself, which is within three weeks. Like, that's nuts. Like I needed to get out that bad and they pay for your flight they pay for your room they pay for your board everything and i get to the gate and i'm waiting to be greeted by not jerome <laughs> <laughs> and this like tall six foot five guy looks at me he's like bonjour bienvenue à club med punta cana oh, <laughs> and i was like where the hell am i oh my god <laughs> and i had never worked with people from france before but like 
I love them. I stand by them, but like, oh my God. Yeah. Canadians are very sensitive people. The French do not cry. Ruthless. Ruthless. Ruthless people. I would cry or like get overwhelmed. Like I'm this 25 year old girl who just moved to a country by herself. Mm-hmm. I'm a big girl too, but they just see like big girls and they think we're all the same. So I was working with another friend of mine who kind of looked like me and we were working at this special zone called like the Zen Oasis. <laughs> but like some rules for the staff are like, you're not allowed to drink smoothies. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. But I was going in there as the social media manager for the resort. So apparently we were supposed to have special privileges or something like that. And I get pulled into the office the next day by Jerome. And he sits me down. He's like, hello, Eva. We need to talk. And I'm like, <laughs> what's the issue, Jerome? Like, what's up? Day three, what could I have possibly done? <laughs> and he's like, the staff are telling me that you are eating lots of smoothies. And I'm like, really? Because I, are you sure? Because I just had the one. Like, I just had the one smoothie i'm not out there devouring smoothies at the bar like on my third day and he's like no they told me they saw you drinking all of the smoothies and i'm like okay and i think back and i think of my friend jenny and i'm like this motherfucker thinks all fat people look the same because my friend jenny was drinking because my friend jenny who was also the manager this bitch was devouring smoothies by the minute dude (laughs) she was just eating that shit up because she was the manager of the zen oasis she was like alfredo un otro smoothie like (laughs) (laughs) and i look at him and i'm like shahom how did they describe me (laughs) to you and he's like uh you know shorts fat and i was like damn like he didn't even try to like say why like he just looked at me and was like you are fat and i was like damn that's a lot wow. but the thing is is that you are savages i know but it's so funny yeah like i don't want to admit it but like they're so funny they're so ruthless like yeah. for as much as quebecers hate people from france most of the time they're like fuck the bourgeoisie and all that kind of stuff at Club Med, when we'd bring it up, they'd be like, oh, you're so cute little Canadians with your little <laughs> accent. Yeah. Look at you. We sent you there many years ago. You remember? Okay. Les filles de roi ou quoi? I like spoken to a France guy and he was like, can you please speak French? Like, can you speak French? And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to butcher your amazing French by bringing in my Canadian French. We're just not going to go there. We're going to speak English. And that's, and that's what it's going to be. And listen, I understand you. If you want, you can speak French. I will listen and speak back in English. I think, yeah, it was nuts. But again, it was like the the work ethic that you build, you know, the entertainment that you're surrounded by all of the time. Because, you know, on the plus side, Club Med is all about the experience and everything is big. And there's a different show every night and people dress up and there's the circus show and the sexy show and then this show and... You know, we have Go-Go where the girls dance on the stage and we do these crazy signs and we get the crowd amped up. These are all things that, you know, as hard as it was working there, that comes with you and that stays with you. Because at the end of the day, Club Med is about making people feel important right. and making people feel special. So yeah, I took a risk taking a break. But those three years... You were there for three years? I was there for three years. I told myself I was never coming back. And I was supposed to open the first all-female-run resort in the Bahamas with one of my friends who was going to be the manager. And then COVID hit and they sent us all back. And it was like the biggest heartbreak 
of my life. Like, Do you ever see yourself going back? No. No way. Oh, no. Fuck no. But see, everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, and, like, I did get away to get away from my family but then they just ended up buying a condo right next to the resort i have a question no. for you <laughs> so do you feel like all comedians or all funny people had some kind of trauma happen to them in their life for them to be funny like do you think that because i feel like a lot of people are like well you can't be funny unless you had trauma happen to you do you feel that way i i kind of feel that way i but... do i think the people with like the most intricate humor have been through something yeah. because it's coping mechanisms yeah. right like i didn't even and the th you don't really know you're being traumatized until you're 28 years old you're like oh and like every moment of your life is a that's so raven episode you're like oh oh <laughs> oh that hurt like yeah. <laughs> you know i i didn't know my body dysmorphia was so connected to like my mom being like are you sure you should wear that oh, you look good, but like 10 more pounds and you're tipping the scale instead of being taught self-love. Mm -hmm. You know, she was always saying like, why can't you be like your sister? To no fault of her own, she's a product of her generation, right? right? And that's the thing that a lot of us don't realize. Like, yes, we have trauma. Yes, we have anxiety. I've had horrible things happen to me. But at the end of the day, my mother was an adopted child who was hurt and went through her own thing and did her best. Mm-hmm as a result of what she was brought up in. So like I have ADHD. I'm sure I have a whole slew of stuff. <laughs> but in the 90s, it wasn't normal to take your kids to the doctor. Like if there was something wrong with your kid, there was something wrong with your kid. Like, you know, like, now we just all self-diagnose ourselves. Yeah. We're just like, we have this, we have that. <laughs> yeah, well, the TikTok algorithm's just doing <laughs> no, its it job. Help. That's for sure. It's like five signs, you have ADHD. <laughs> and I'm like. <gasps> you, you took three years off. Yeah. And then what made you come back? COVID sent us back. Right. And but what made you go back to comedy, though? Because you could have just came back and been like, fuck that. I did. Like you said, you left off on the note of like, I achieved what I wanted to mm -hmm. achieve. My boyfriend. Uh, wait, so you didn't do comedy until you met him. You I, didn't I wasn't like, I was like maybe thinking of going back, wasn't sure. And then he was the one that was like, I'll DJ you host, like, let's throw a party. And I was like. That's a good way to ease you in. Mm -hmm. But we weren't dating back then. We were just like bang bros. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, funny, icy talent. Like you should do it. Oh, yeah. When he met me, he told me he's like, I, I didn't know at what capacity you were going to be in my life, but I knew there was no way you were sneaking your way out. And I was trying to sneak my way out all the time. <laughs> now he's fearful like, avoidant, baby. TikTok told me so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I was just Googling that the other day. I was like, what attachment style am I? Oh, well, if you want to run away every time you're in an argument, <laughs> you're probably a fearful avoidant. Babe? Great. Maybe That's what that? we are. That's who we are. <laughs> so I find, and I can just talk for us, but I've seen it a lot in this space. Like we, for example, get a lot of hate when we're funny yeah, and, and confident. Um, we'll get like a lot of hate online specifically from like men who just will always like throw us down and be like, you're not funny. You're not pretty enough to be doing this. You shouldn't be confident. Um, this isn't a funny joke. Women can be funny. Just like all these oh. like serious things. And I feel like that's something that has almost like reserved me and been like, oh, wait, people still think like this. And I feel like maybe for you, it might even be even worse because like I like you were saying previously, Alessia, like we don't see the reaction, you know, like mm -hmm. we're behind, like our viewers are behind closed doors. So we don't know what people are saying. Whereas for you, it's like that real life audience. Yeah. And 
I think as a woman, when you're trying to be funny already, you're going into like, you have to almost like prove that girls can be funny. Yeah. And I feel like that, that could be really hard as a comedian. I feel like people don't, you, you have like so much more to prove. Like we could be funny. You know what I mean? Like, what's that like? I can't, I think one of the biggest things that holds me back in comedy would be like the fact that I'm a girl. If that's not really because I feel like people always try to find like I could say something funny and then people will always just like and like if a guy would say the same thing as me it would be like funny just because but for me it's like oh well like you can't say that because you're not a boy and he lives in his basement with his mom like and it's just like well I see you guys make stupid like stupid as fuck jokes and I, I just feel like the the standards are way higher and sometimes it's really hard to like surpass them and like to meet them you know like to make people laugh and i just want to have your opinion on what it's been like being a girl in such like a male dominated industry because Mm -hmm. it is realistically because if you think about it like you we're we're we're, we grow up and we don't see that many female comedians right like any person can probably not name five female comedians you know but they can name five male comedians Mm -hmm. so already we grow up and we don't have many role models to look up to and then when you do try it feels like oh you're trying to like prove something so i don't know what was that like i also feel like it's it's too like when women it's like oh you're just pretty you're not funny like they blow it off or like it just seems like there's always an answer for why a girl can't just be funny yeah like there's always has to be something attached to it whereas i feel like men have a little bit of the advantage it's more than things yeah do you feel like you experienced that so i remember when i first came back to montreal and i first started it was a completely different ball game and i was completely terrified and the scene was run by a handful of the same dudes who held you at a certain place And I most definitely had to prove myself and it was terrifying. But at the same time, I I think that, you know, you feel it in your gut. And as much as like at first it's really scary or whatnot and, and, you know, whatever, like people called me a bringer, people called me this, but my friends still liked comedy and they didn't know my friends. My friends have no problem telling me when I've (laughs) messed up. They have no problem telling me that was trash, you know, like (laughs) from the outside, they're like, oh, her friends are here. I'm like, yeah, to destroy me. Like if I (laughs) screw up, are you kidding? Yeah. Um, And that definitely affected my confidence and my doubt in myself for a while. Because it's like, okay, am I now only getting spots because I'm a woman and they need to fill their female quota? Mm -hmm. Am I now getting spots because I am I'm also a tanned woman and they need to fill their quota or am I funny like you ask yourself right all of these questions right. all the time as to why is it you got a spot so true and it's crazy wow it is it, it is and it's nuts and it's like you know they make dick jokes but like oh she makes dick jokes it's hacky no 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 no, no. like my dick jokes are better than your I use a dick <laughs> as a microphone asshole like <laughs> you think I'm not talking to my boyfriend like, like excuse me babe like <laughs> And, and so at first, yes, I definitely felt that. And then, you know, I think it really changed as I started the kickback with, with Micah because I wanted to do something different. And I remembered that at the end of the day, 
I don't want the people at my show that are going to say those things. And I'm going to attract exactly the right demographic that I need to support me. And all those keyboard warriors that are probably living in Wisconsin with their moms and haven't changed their Cheeto stained shirts in five months can keep commenting about how we have great tits and no humor. Continue playing COD. Have a great time. <laughs> Masturbating with your pocket pussy. That's how I feel Screaming. about that. Because it's, it's fuck it. Screw it. That's what yeah. I said. I was like, I'm not going to kiss ass and wait for someone to give me an opportunity why? I'm in marketing. I'm a video editor. I'm a photographer. I know how to set up an event. I've opened a resort in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> Hardest thing I've ever done. We were the only resort in the jungle. We lost power both the day before opening and half the people put the wrong furniture in the wrong room. So we were running around a 17 kilometer resort trying to move furniture. Like, I'm not worried about you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Son, sir. Sorry. I didn't need to get so freaking park X. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing. It's like you could sit and you can worry and be like, why am I not funny enough? Or you could remember the the times that we're in and you can filter those people out with a hashtag. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those people will always trickle in. They're always going to say something and they're around. And it's weird to know that they're around and that they feel that way. But I yeah. think we need those people. I think it's impossible to be loved by everybody. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you're doing something right if you have haters. You know, it's. I, don't know, I got haters and I filled up a 500 person theater of good people who are nice exactly. humans. So right? or I could have gone a different route and kissed ass and done things that weren't for me. But, you know, I. I also feel like my calling isn't just necessarily to be the star or the comedian or that I really truly enjoy showcasing comics I believe in and giving them mm -hmm. a chance because it's like, again, I know I'm funny. I have my own thing going on and my own stardom, but I also have a business background and I have yeah. marketing skills and there's a whole market in Montreal Why English comedy that to one thing when you could do many yeah I don't have to just be a comedian or just be a producer you don't have to just be a podcast or just be a comic you have an opinion you have something to say go on stage and say it and someone's going to relate to it mm -hmm. yeah. and I find the biggest haters are always the people who are not succeeding and not doing anything or not trying well yeah because people who are busy don't have time to look at what you're doing and have an opinion on it Mm -hmm. yeah. people who are truly busy and hustling are like you're doing something cool good job bye yeah exactly i think my biggest fear in this world is like never not doing something and always wishing like what if if this podcast never makes it to where i want it to go then i'll just be happy i ever even started and got to where i got whereas i would always just be thinking about it and it just never got there but i never even tried right i, I would hate myself so much more so I think you have to go for it. Whether it becomes big or not, you have to. Why not? It's I don't have any hate towards Quebec for not putting money in English comedy. I completely understand. On the contrary, it's this is the way Quebec is. It's mm -hmm. not well, little old me being like, care about us. No, it's clear that you don't. That's perfectly <laughs> fine. I'll take it from here. Yeah, then. I'll, I'll do it. it myself. I'll do it myself. Like I will showcase the people I, I want to showcase. It was such a good show. Like Veronica <laughs> and I, I remember leaving and being like, that was really good. Yeah. And you were like the MC and you popped in and you kind of like introduced every comedian. And I was always looking so forward to having like you come back <laughs> on because I feel like your jokes were so universal. And it's just like, 
and anyone could relate and laugh to so i really was like super blown away i appreciate yeah. that that's yeah. kind of my goal i think you really it. had a good grasp on like the audience and you really knew who you were telling jokes to, which I think is super important. Yeah. Which I feel like, and, and you also, she also in, reads the room. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's really important as a comic to know. She was who also you're speaking wasted. To, you know. Well, no, actually, I wasn't. I don't no? think I was that way. No. Oh my God, I thought you were like wasted. No, no, no. That's just <laughs> me. <laughs> you never get drunk at your own show. I have before, but not that one. That one, I was like running around. I was maybe towards the end. I was drinking a little bit more. Like after my half was done, I was like. I'm smoking a blunt in the back room <laughs> right now. Like, I am How do you come up with your jokes? Guys, summer is around the corner and you might have your abs, but do you have a bush? Because if so, we need to get rid of that. And you know how we're going to do that? How? With Manscaped. Because they are the best in below-the-waist grooming for men. You need to join the over 2 million men across the world that are using Manscaped. Guys, spring is around the corner and you know what that means. All the cuties come out and I'm talking about the girlies. So if you want to get laid this summer, then you have to be on Manscaped because I'm not hooking up with a guy who doesn't take care of himself. True. So guys, use our discount code chemicalx at checkout to receive 20% off your man's first ever ball razor. <laughs> so 20% off. And free shipping using Chemical X at checkout. Veronica, it's getting hotter outside, which means weddings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which means our men better cover up in a nice Italian tailor-made suit. If you're not in an Italian suit, then you probably are not stylish. That's true. We're Italians here. We actually have a Greek here, but we're just going to insult the Greeks. Yes. If you're not in an Italian suit... <laughs> Who are you? Look, Italians don't do everything amazing. And I'll give it to the Greeks. They make very good olive oil, better than Italians. But what they do not make the best, it's fashion. Right. So. I can't argue with can't this. Argue. I, nobody, I don't think anybody can argue with that. Well, you know like I mean? we like are owned by Germany now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so guys, Izotti, we are giving you guys the discount code today. 20% off using our discount code ChemicalX at checkout for 20% off. Your man's, your father's, your sugar daddy's first suit. I don't. So I don't. Like I'm just perfect. So you just, you and do I it on up. the spot. I that. So I have stories. Right. And right. and and that's the other thing is that you're gonna go into comedy, right? Because I know you've been talking about wanting to go into comedy, and this is my biggest advice: is if anyone turns around to you and tells you how to tell a story, f- fuck that. <laughs> Right. Tell a story how you tell a story to your friend. There are definitely general rules of comedy, of structure, of, of things like that. You know, I, I'm always working on my structure. Like, I can't remember shit in order, like, <laughs> since I was a kid. And I have other friends who can memorize their sets, like, word for word at this speed at this time and nail it. And I'm, I am not that person. I'm distracted all the time. I jump from story to story. I'm a freaking blabbermouth Greek, like, it's not who I am. But at the same time, for so long, I was trying to fit myself into that box to be like all of those other comics. And right. I couldn't. And the second I let go and was just like, I'm going to tell this story how I would tell this story to my friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to express my emotions and I'm going to express my opinion and make this dark matter just a little bit lighter. Whoever's going to connect with it will connect with it. And that's it. That's all. There, No one in the audience is being like, I bet they didn't do that three punch rule. Didn't see that. Like, right. And that's the misconception about as a marketer for Montreal. Right. It's 
people come to the city and they're like, oh, Montreal is the capital of comedy in the world. And it's like, well, for Americans, yes. Just for Laughs hosts a lot of Americans, but we have showcases in Canada, but you don't really see us on the big shows. So there's not really a lot being done for Canadians in Montreal specifically. Like in other parts of Canada, there's tons of great initiatives going on. But in terms of our province, right, merp. You know, because, yeah, English comedy for sure. English comedy and and nothing's really happened much to push it. So I'm going to give the credit to Micah. I was like, we got to do something different. Yeah. And most importantly, I wanted to pay comedians fairly. That was our biggest initiative because they get paid close to nothing. Sure. And I was like, I want to prove that you can pay people fairly. I want to prove that you can produce a show. Your comedians are the ones making people laugh. You're only going to give them a drink ticket. It's not even an open mic. Mm-hmm. Give them something to make right. them feel like they're growing, like they don't need to leave the city. And that's what it was right. for me. It's like, I want to create a new standard for comedy in my city. Like, I just, I want to create an event that comedians are going to be proud to be on and feel like they're growing and people are going to be proud to come support because it's not just going to be a comedy show show and tell which a lot of comedy shows are right they put like 15 comics yeah and you end up going to that show and you're falling asleep and you're like what the hell was that that's that's what that's what's in my city yeah that's a lot of jerk off jokes like (laughs) that's like fuck me so you know, it was just sad. It's like, I want to create an event like I would have at Club Med where people get drunk and they feel welcome and it's interactive and it's warm and it's loving and we're on stage. And it's like, I want to showcase people I think are great. I don't need to be the star all the time. It's not my, I don't think it's my purpose in life. I think my purpose is to make something a little bit different and right. new and and help people and help my city and help Canadian com- or comics in general. I have no idea where this is going to end up going. But the fact of where we are in two years is pretty incredible to yeah. me. And I think it goes to show that you can be a good person. And there was like 500 people yeah. at the show. Yeah. yeah. I was... I- I wasn't expecting that and when everyone was there I was like wow this is really a sold out show and I didn't know much about you at the time and I was just like like I can't believe I've never been to a comedy show in Montreal and I left there so much happier than I would ever leave leaving a club leaving a restaurant and I was just like wow this is really missing (laughs) it's really missing in our city so you're really making a difference oh, and God. I will be at every single fucking show. So <laughs> Don't you I cry at everything. I'm like, oh, that's my dream. I'm like the person with the broomstick. Like, I know, better. you're like, stop, we can't edit out your tears. Oh I don't, I don't have after effects. Um, but what I will say and what I love that you said is that you want uh, something that people feel like they don't have to leave their city to grow. Right. And I think that's something really important and we've spoken about it so much, yeah. how we feel like Montreal is becoming this like city where everybody wants to leave because there's no more opportunities and i like the fact that one of your main reasons for doing this is to like create Mm -hmm. opportunities that people are proud of because there's not that many things that you can like be a part of in montreal and be like yes like look at me i was a part of this or i was on this show or i was on this i feel like we always get stuck with these like you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and and it's so far and few it's like 90% 90% of the projects are French and then we get that like 10% of like cool English things mm. and then you know what I mean like there's just not much that we can be a part of and feel like wow I'm moving forward mm-hmm. and I, I love that you're building something that you want to grow and you want it to be something that people are like 
I was on the kickback. Like, that's awesome mm-hmm. because we don't have enough of that. And like, yeah. so we, we, we so often talk about like how we feel like we're stuck and, and we can't grow because we're in a city where it doesn't feel like there's growth as there used to be. I feel like everybody is just leaving. Everybody is finding growth other places, mm-hmm. you know, Toronto, Vancouver, like all these places that are really putting their time and effort into the talent that they have. And it's just really cool that you're putting time and effort and energy and creating like a platform that people can actually have a space to be a part of something like good and be a part of something curated as like, you know, women, we like to do things in a particular way. And I'm so picky, like she was saying, like we're so picky about who we have on the podcast. It's like whoever we have is almost like a representation of like who we are, who we are and, and what we stand for. And it's like, I will have no guests for 20 episodes before I put somebody on just for shits. You know what I mean? Literally. I feel that. I feel like you're the same way when you come to choosing comics. It's like being picky. It's so important because these people are speaking for you. You know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's your show. So I just think it's really cool that you're setting a standard and like you're building something and and building like a community. Communion. Doing so good. Couldn't get through it. But uh, no, I just think it's cool that, you know, all the people that were there were coming from Vancouver. They were coming from Toronto. We had some LA. people. Yeah. And it was just like, nice. One like, won an award. Like, I was like, yeah. you go, girl. Like, really, like, proud mom moment. Thanks, man. <laughs> I know I'm I'm really proud of the show and I'm really proud of my partner, Big Norm, and all the comics that were on. And it it was crazy to produce within a month. Like, I've never produced anything that big. But again, it's like, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not that it's not hard, but it's really not impossible because the market is there. Mm -hmm. The people are there. We just don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. And that's really the issue is that sometimes you feel stuck, but it's, it's almost as if you're knocking on completely the wrong door and you're telling yourself that there's no options for you when you have an escalator just to the left. You know, I said an escalate. I was like, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't well, need a door when you have an escalate. <laughs> um, and and so that's you know that's how we feel. But at the same time, I think the reason that the kickback has grown into what it is is because we care very deeply about the people who come, and we're just as proud of our audience as we are. I, I hold our our is very dear to my heart because like without the people that buy tickets to your shows. You don't get to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And they they actively chose to come to that show that night and give us a chance. And it's like, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm proud. Of, and I'm proud of how they treated us, too. There wasn't even a heckler out of 500 people. Like, everyone mm-hmm. was just so respectful. I just want to say, I've been to shows where it was like max 100 people. My, like, to get 500 fucking people is something to be proud <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. I'm not even joking. I can't even get 10 people to my birthday. Like, I, I'm actually being... Ter- like, no, no, literally. I, and, and you know what my problem is, and I applaud you so much for doing this, is like, I can never be, like, confident enough in something being fun to, like, I'll be the worst promoter in the world. I'd be like, it It could be fun. Like, if you want. Like, <laughs> like, come, like come if you want. Like, yeah, it'll be, like, pretty like, fun. Like, you can't guarantee I just, I feel, your money back. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I feel like I never have that confidence to, like, sell somebody, like, this is going to be great. And I love that you were, like, this is going to be fucking awesome. And then it was, you know? Like, that, I feel Thank like... Thank God. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. no, no. But that's good. Like, you have to have, like, that confidence and you have to have that hustle to just be, like, come, you know? 
Well, I definitely oh. believe in, in the people. But again, like the other thing that makes me feel confident are my friends that work with me, like Noor, Tess, Tammy, Alexa, all of those girls are my kickback girls. Mm-hmm. And they've been at every single show and they've helped me at every single show. They know that it's been like a two man team trying to run around and grow this for the past two years without any help. And my friends would always come in and serve the shots. And they're an extent. That's what I love. What you guys just said is that like. Those girls are an extension of who we are as people and how we want to make people feel. Mm -hmm. And it's not for any reason that when people come to our show, it's like, hey, I saw you last show. What's up? Do you want to sit together this time? Like, let's take a shot. You want a shot? And it becomes like a social house that people come once a month and everyone meets up and hangs out. And it's Yeah. So I had seen one of the girls that I like ish knew through Instagram and stuff. I had seen her at the comedy show and then I had seen her on Sunday and it was just like we had this like extra bond where I was like, Hey, like you were at the comedy show. I feel like laughing is so contagious. And when you find people who just like want to laugh and want those good vibes, I feel like you hold like a different place in your heart for them. It's a connection that like you had at that event that like only a couple people had that at that event, you know, but it's welcome to everyone. And that's all I want for my life. It's just to create a space where people can feel safe being sexy and feeling good about themselves and drinking and getting together and having a good time because like the world has been shitty enough and it's not hard to throw it's not it's not hard to not be a piece of shit (laughs) honestly some people would disagree because it seems like they're having a tough time yeah but just don't be a dick yeah Yeah. why is that so hard yeah and and i think in good nature too it's more than comedy it's really an experience right it's an evening out it's it's something that you feel when you leave like i really truly believe that there are certain things that you like just I don't need to talk about in comedy. You know, I, there's a there's a very big debate in comedy. And like either people will say, like, I'm a comedian. Everything's on limits. Like, I don't need any filter because, like, I'm the hero that gets to say what everyone's mm-hmm. thinking. And it's like, relax, man. It's not 2005 anymore. The F word, not fun. You can't say it just because you're cool. Like, yeah, there are so many things that have happened to me personally in my life that are equally as hilarious as a topic I have no business talking about because it's not my life experience. Mm -hmm. You will never catch me making fun of a human being or a type of person that has nothing to do with me. Right. You know, I, I think that for me is what's cheap. It's like I'm talking about my personal experiences that I'm pretty sure everyone has gone through. I don't need to make a trans joke. I don't need to make a gay joke. I can make a bi joke, though. (laughs) I can make a bi joke, though. (laughs) But, you know, there are things for me that are off limits. It's like, okay, if you guys feel like you're like the Avengers of who needs to talk about this, like, I'm going to let you do that at your open mic. But why? Why hurt people? Why offend people? Comedy is supposed to be about healing. I, I also think that, sorry, I also think that people who are like, whoa, I'm a comedian, like, what comedy can't exist anymore and it's like well your rape joke just isn't like if you're a comedian only to tell like gay jokes and rape jokes and and race jokes it's like well then you're not that funny do you know what i mean like if you can't find something else to be funny about then are you a comedian i do believe that like sometimes it's funny dark humor yeah i do believe that some things are funny and i think that sometimes we could be too sensitive like i think gen z is extra sensitive like now it's like um you said that like you said cough like we don't talk about coughing it's covid you know what i mean but i do think like that there is leeway but i also think to say jokes that 
tear down somebody else and are just like disrespectful in this day and age like you know you're walking into a pit of fire and you know it's not acceptable and you're still choosing to do it because why you can't think of something funnier you know so there's just like other things you could talk about you know like i have so much childhood trauma to pick from you're like the <laughs> options endless but i, I do feel like however though like the it is like a rocky it is a hot space for comedy yeah because you have to know when you're going in that space that there is a chance you might get picked on for doing something that you probably didn't even know was bad yeah okay. you yeah. saw yeah. burrito called you guys the cast of euphoria and you loved, loved it every minute you of loved it, it. you're yeah, like you yes riverdale and i was like mm, glad i'm not those people okay? <laughs> but at the same time it's like yes the comedian was picking on you but he wasn't attacking you mm-hmm. right he was emotionally intelligent enough to know that you probably watch it and love the show and the girls on there are beautiful and you're actually comparing them to beautiful women mm-hmm. but it's coming off in a way that's like look at this cast of euphoria and you're just like like am i maddie tell me i'm maddie right <laughs> oh, who's rue <laughs> can i be fez not his brother <laughs> but you know so so yeah like there's that and i mean do you feel like there's things that like you don't agree with when it comes to let's say cancel culture or like stuff like that where you found your own like kind of space for it and things that you find like okay that's excessive and you're gonna work within those lines or are you just like sticking to politically correct it's not that i stick to politically correct i just stick to my personal experiences i remember when she was um on stage a lot of her we do that too though yeah we nitpick a lot of the times on us so it's like come at me yeah. i'm talking about myself like if you're gonna attack me for making jokes about myself where i'm self-aware enough to know that i'm fucking crazy to do like fuck off yeah well that's it right i'm like at this point now as well i've lived life as a morbidly obese woman and now as a smaller woman with tits with new Beautiful boobies new boob. thanks boob. dr short your boob jokes were <laughs> fucking hysterical you need to give at least three after this three no She's but like, that ex- but again that wasn't a joke like that was well, serious three during our podcast i i so i've always had like really heavy breasts and it was a huge source of heavy insecurity breasts. Breasts. That's heavy like set nice, breasts like <laughs> that's like a nice thing to say though like i have heavy breasts well that's what my mom told me like, when we feel better but i called them sag bags like, i called <laughs> I, them i can't even weigh my breast because it doesn't go out enough to sit on a scale so i think nice. heavy breasts is like nice like no. how much do your breasts weigh <laughs> i like that i like that you're like no no baby (laughs) no baby that shit hurts wait what was your joke you said something about like um you're jewish doctor or something yeah dr schwartz okay so he's who did both of our noses so (laughs) okay dr schwartz he did my mom's boobs as well and her tummy tuck i believe and the reason that my parents approached me, like my parents were kind enough to pay for the surgery, but I lived my whole life like having weird knockers. Like <laughs> my sister looked like Jessica Simpson and Jessica Alba fucked and had a baby. <laughs> like she just walk around all the time being like, I'm Dee Dee and these are my D's. Like, these are like, Ugh. like she was just so hot and I was so awkward. Like everyone called me like Lilo and Stitch and I, oh my God. yeah, like I was just like, you know, like, 
Yeah, but it was because I was like as this little girl with like long hair and bangs just running around <laughs> eating and stuffing like chocolate wrappers under the bed and like running away again. And but I always looked up to my sister and I was like, why are we not the same? Why don't my breasts look like that? And then, you know, you see your friend's boobs and they're just like little nippy bippies and you're just like. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be there. <laughs> How come yours are there and mine are there? <laughs> and then when I lost all the weight, then they, they they became, you know, saggier and and long as well. And, you know, my boyfriend loves me. He adores me. All of those things. But for me, it was such a source of insecurity because at the end of the day, I still have my fat girl brain and it'll still tell me that like this person is out of my league is and that's what you're you have to train yourself not to think that way because with bariatric sleeve surgery you lose one to two pounds a day they rip out half of your stomach and you can only really eat a couple grams of food so you're losing weight faster than your brain can comprehend and this is years of conditioning even with shopping like i just got comfortable shopping i'm 28 years old Wait, did you have that surgery? I had bariatric sleeve surgery. Oh, That's how okay. I lost all the weight. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I tried the natural ways. I tried everything. I, I'm not bashing it. No, 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 no. But it was, you bash yourself, right? Because yeah. there's still a stigma. They're like, oh, it's cheating. It's I this and that. Like but is, I was an emotional eater. I was depressed. My thyroid was off. Nothing I was doing. If it'll make you happier, fucking do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's nothing. I feel like it was very yeah. 2010 to shit on yeah. people who were getting plastic surgery. Yeah. But you know how liberating it's been to finally be able to wear clothes I never got to experience wearing. And it's a real thing. Like, I never got to wear low-cut dresses or feel pretty or sexy or even want to feel feminine. Mm-hmm. I never got to wear the strapless bathing suits. I had to wear like halters and harnesses and shit. <laughs> Just flap that shit backwards. But, you know, it was the strangest thing for me. Like, or like tie my, you know, my strings behind my neck to pull the boobs up. You have to do all these freaking maneuvers when you have heavy breasts. And you do feel like you're missing out on something. So for me, it was so liberating to be able to have sex and not worry about where my breasts were going or if my body sounded like it was doing a fucking standing ovation. Like (laughs) (laughs) My ass and my tits were clapping. I was like, everyone calm down. I haven't even finished yet. Like, I don't need this much appreciation from my body. Like, I'm running out of breath. (laughs) Imagine having sex with your boyfriend. It's just like... (laughs) My fucking galloping or my riding your dick? Let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Easy spirit. (laughs) Jesus. So, you know, for me, it was like it was a very scary thing. But like going into the doctors for this whole the whole boob job experience was whack because like I thought I was going to get a diagram or one of those like 3D sketches of like what my breasts would look like. But this guy's like 95 years old. And the <laughs> only reason I really trusted him because he was in Westmount. And I was like, well, if the Westmount mommies trust you. Me too. I trust you. Yeah, I'm like, if you're in Westmount, you've been doing some rich old money boobies. Like, <laughs> you can get me those perky nips. So he he didn't show me any photos of like what he told me I was getting the ideal breast. And I was like, what does that mean? Old Jewish man. (laughs) Dr. Schwartz. Ideal to you or me? Like, are you updated with 2022? Have you seen Bella Hadid? Bella Hadid? I'm like, Mia Khalifa is what people called me in high school. (laughs) I was a prude just because I had big boobs. (laughs) And um, he gave me this pamphlet 
don't know if you guys have seen the pamphlet in the office, but it's like the breast augmentation pamphlet. And it's really just a drawing. No, clearly I haven't seen the breast augmentation <laughs> You don't need it. Your breasts are fantastic, as everyone who answered my story today told me. <laughs> so, <laughs> look at them titties. I was like, relax. I know. <laughs> to me, like two days ago, she's like, hey, babe, I don't know if this is a personal question, but can you please let me know like where you got your tits done? <laughs> because I'm looking into getting them done, and I really like yours. And if You're you like, don't feel comfortable, it's fine. God. I'm like... I'm like, well, they're real, but now I'm like, wait, should I be insulted at the fact that now they're looking fake? No, I think, are you every, kidding? I think saying something looks fake is such a compliment. I guess. When yeah. people are like, did you get this done? I'm like, no, but thank you. Ooh, Do so you want much. a kiss? Yeah, does this look like five thousand dollar titties? <laughs> yeah. Stop. Wait, do these look like ten k? These ten k tits. <laughs> That's when you know something's nice, and they start going, "Did you? Who's your doctor?" You're like. <laughs> None, but I'll take it. But then God. I answer her and I'm like, mine are real, but here's 35 doctors. I'm going, she doesn't believe me. She's, yeah, she doesn't believe you. You know, like liar. those girls who are like, I'm not going to tell you that I got it done, but I'll tell you what doctor you I would do. <laughs> if I did do it, that's where I would go. It's like, bitch, we know you went there. Here's my discount code, though. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> like if you use Alessia 10 at checkout, you will receive 10% off. And, and you know what? That's finally time. the 10% I want off because it's 100%. actually on a big fucking amount. <laughs> oh, my God. If I could get 10% off of fucking surgery. Whew. Yeah, you're like I and I still can't afford it, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Let me know. It was such a. It wasn't like a scary experience, but it was definitely like over overwhelming in a sense because I'm like I'm literally taking off 15 years of insecurity. Like, what mm. is my life gonna look like now? But the whole process was so vulnerable. Like you just like you're sitting in this cold room and this man comes in after 20 minutes. He's like, whoa, hello. And you just like slowly take off your clothes. And I'm like, am I cheating? Like, am I just like, I've never, is it like, am I your sugar baby? Like, Wait, like, where are we going after this? Like, like is this coming with dinner, Mr. Schwartz? Like, and I'm just like freezing. My nipples are getting hard. I'm like, don't worry, not horny. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, oh. They're like, let me just get them hard. Not everything's a stage, Eva. Not everything's a stage. <laughs> like, and, and, and he like literally just takes my breasts and he's like, yeah, 14 inches below where they're supposed to be. And I'm just sitting there I'm like, am I hurt or excited? Where are they going to be now? Like, and it was the fastest consultation in my life. Like, how did I just pay you to feel me up? <laughs> like, I just paid $125 to only get my tits touched a little bit. That like, was like a, like a cheap strip tease. Like, he didn't even give me a nice gulp. He was just like, meet merp, meet merp. $10,000, please. And I was like, damn, I should have been a Jewish doctor. And, like, <laughs> and then you go in this room and there's like the tiny nurse who, and now I've taken my first nudes <laughs> in very harsh lighting, may I add. And they're like, all right, stand straight. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, turn around. And I'm like, and I'm like, all right, see you in a month. And I'm like, what now? <laughs> like, so I come back the day of and I'm pretty sure the nurse was new. Okay, and I'm very nervous to be put under anesthesia. For some reason, I'm just like, I don't get it. How does three hours pass? I mean, I've blacked out before, but like. <laughs> but like with vodka. Yeah, like not like shit in my body. 
So I get there. I'm talking to everyone. I'm super nervous. And the nurse comes in. And I'm just trying to nervously chat her up. And she's trying to find my vein. And this woman just starts poking me like a crackhead. She's like, come on, little vein. Come out. Come out wherever you are. And I'm like, there's one here. There's one here. Like, I can, like, what do you need from me right now? And I'm trying to explain to her, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm super nervous. Like, I don't really know what to expect with the anesthesia. Like, I don't understand how it works. And she looks at me. She's like, yeah, eh? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, you too don't understand how it works, or yeah, you're gonna explain it to me really quickly so I feel better. <laughs> like, are you kidding oh me gosh. right now? <laughs> and then, like, I remember waking up and just being super out of it and like hot and itchy and just like ready to leave. And like, I could like hear my dad in the distance picking me up. And this woman would not let me leave the bed, and I was freaking out. I was like, Miss, miss, <laughs> can, can I get out now? <laughs> like I'm ready to walk, and like she just kept coming back. She threw a blanket on me. She's like, "I'll be right back." I'm like, "No, no, no." She's new for sure. She's new for sure. And then I got up by myself finally after she got oh the God. thing done. And I was like, "Where's my dad?" Because I was super stoned. <laughs> and I'm like, I need my dad. But I obviously I'm a Greek donkey, and I thought I was like okay to work like the next day because we're all just work donkeys, like not even horses, just straight donkeys in Santorini. Like we will carry pounds of weight. You should see me going grocery shopping without my boyfriend. I think I'm such a hunter gatherer. I just come back with like all this meat. I'm like, look, babe, I carried it by myself, and he's like. You're no one's hero like relax like no i'm strong <laughs> that's 100 why do we do that i always have to prove that i can carry all the bags myself and i didn't need your help and but unless we're like we're lazy i have no more handle bags at my grocery store so i have to like hold the like the, like brown bag does <laughs> your boyfriend have a, a like a grocery list like you already know in your head before you go do groceries what he wants or do like I does have? he does your boyfriend have like weird staple snacks um he only like likes one thing in life and it's ben and jerry's the tonight show flavor oh. and like if i get him that he's happy but he doesn't give a mother fuck what else is in the bags wow that's so nice yeah he has no standards for food that's so renee zellweger he actually told me the other day i mean that's good though you don't want two people who are like i want this and i want like you can do your own groceries well he told me the other day and he was like you know if we were in like a zombie apocalypse i would survive longer than you and i was like why and he was like well you're always thinking about food and i'm like never really starving but it seems like you're always starving and i was like excuse me no no. like you're just always hungry i was like bitch what the fuck what's your point yeah like excuse me all this overthinking burns calories you asshole i'm starving (laughs) yeah i'm storing the food for when we are in a zombie apocalypse obviously i'm a bear motherfucker i can hibernate (laughs) no my boyfriend eats like a pregnant woman like he needs he needs juice and pickles no, he eats like a pregnant woman and it drives me crazy. It's, it's, it, I don't know how this man's stomach is an acid. It doesn't make any. He's like, babe, can you give me pickles and juice? I need pickles, pickles and juice. Loves pickles and juice. Ew. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that picky. I could pretty much survive off of everything. But like he 
is a past like football player. So like his thing is like, babe, today we're making stir fry beans, chicken, rice, stir fry, healthy food. <laughs> and I'm like, how about McDonald's? Cause I'm hungover. And I was told once in 2008 that McDonald's will stop you from throwing up if you're drunk on the way home. <laughs> and like our generation fact. just told ourselves that. Yeah. Like, Even fact, yeah. I can absolutely, I will be a part of any study that wants to prove that that's real because mm-hmm. it is real. I think it it's like real. in our DNA. It's like I've woken up hungover before crawling just be like, I need a sausage McMuffin. I love yesterday. <laughs> it's always a sausage McMuffin. It's like the grease. It's like well, the yeah. other day, Veronica's like, I went to McDonald's because I really wanted to try what is it called? The McGriddle. The McGriddle. Have you had that? It's back. It's back. It's back. Dude, it's back. <gasps> I had no idea. Thank what you. <laughs> I went all around the city. I, I worked like a whole four hour like shoot. And the whole time I was just like, I'm about to have a McGriddle because I saw that they're back in stores. And I was so excited. I was like all day breakfast. We're all good. Drive all the way to McDonald's. Send my friend like park. It was like a whole issue. <laughs> She's like, there's no McGriddles. <gasps> what else do you want? I'm like, nothing. No. I put in my head that that's yeah. what I want. My but- stomach, my mouth was all ready for a fucking McGriddle. I don't want a Macpule now. <laughs> it's not a the sausage same. McMuffin, not the same. And you only and have thirty. She calls me and she's like explaining a McGriddle that I'm like raining on your parade. I'm like, why would you want it to be pancakes as your bun <laughs> instead of actual amazing biscuit? And you're like, Kayla, try it first before you talk. And then let me tell you, I went home, saw the commercial that same night, and I was like. Looks fucking good. It's fucking McDonald's, good. you better be given a discount code. <laughs> yeah. Chemical like, X in your burgers. <laughs> so just to wrap this up, back to comedy and you just being a bad bitch, because we are at an hour and 20 minutes now. Oops. Um, What advice would you give for anybody that's just looking to... I mean, you've definitely made some big jumps, like moving to, you know, moving to Dominican. Dominican, right? Dominican, yeah. yeah. Moving to the Dominican, being a comedian, just like it seems like you're always taking these big jumps into doing things. And what kind of advice or what's some things that you learned that could maybe help people that are like looking to do a big jump or a big change or just like not happy? Take risks and trust your gut. That that's really that's Amen. it. It's it's really that take take the risk. Take the risk and trust your gut. I have with this show mostly not listened to the advice people gave me because I knew in my heart at the end of the day, people just want to feel good and humans want to feel appreciated. And that is my secret sauce. There's no SEO. There's no hashtagging. There's no target marketing. It's just treating people well. And again, don't take advice from someone you don't look up to or you don't aspire to model yourself after because especially in comedy, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you that there's one way to do comedy and don't skip steps and don't do this and don't do that. And I think that that's a ridiculous thing to say because it's just not valid advice anymore. You know, we're not where we are in 2022 with technology where we were years ago. Mm-hmm. So yes, do the work, go to the open mics, practice your set, practice your craft, figure out what your story is and what it is exactly that you have to say and what you have to contribute. But, you know, if you bomb, you bomb, you're going to bomb. I bomb. Everybody bombs. Bombing isn't bombing. Bombing is learning how to do that joke just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But you're never going to be able to escape 
the Joes that are going to tell you that like, oh yeah, you skipped steps because you started a podcast and then you did comedy and then, oh, you were famous on TikTok and now you're doing comedy and that's why you're funny, but you didn't do the work. You didn't kiss ass and you didn't do this. And it's like, fuck that, man. Life is short. Mm -hmm. Skip as many steps as you can. If you're talented, you're talented. If you have an audience, you have an audience and they're going to show up for you. And at the end of the day, people are going to want results. And at the end of the day, these big corporations that you're kissing ass for, what do they want? They want money. And you got to think of it as a business. Nothing is personal. And a lot of those people that are going to shit on you and be rude to you are people who are just been hurt by the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's barely personal. And your success just really means that they want it really badly for themselves and they don't really know how to go about it. So you know, I let the whole bringer thing get me for a really long time. And then I produced a 500 person bringer show. (laughs) So, you know, those comments are going to hurt you at first, and then it's going to be your biggest superpower. So really just do it. Nike. Do it. Just, oh, gross, I did that. But really, just go for Like, you have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. You have nothing to lose. And at the end of the day, if you're really that bad, no one's going to remember you. Like, you're deep. Deep. If you're shit, you're forgettable. Well, that's what I mean. Like I bomb. You think any of those people remember my first time bombing? Do you remember a comedian by name or face that you saw bomb? Right. Mm -hmm. No, because it's just a bomb. But the show was fun. You just can't be amazing before you start. No. Yeah. You know, I have so many friends who are like, I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to do this and I want to, but I want it to be really amazing when I first start. I'm like, it's, it's never going to be in your eyes amazing from when you first start, because in a year from now, you're laughing at what you did a year ago. And in a year from now, you're laughing. It's just, it's a constant cycle of just like improving. So, and if you can't look back and be like, wow, we improved this, 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 and this, it's not fun. That's why growth is fun. Like to be able to look back and be like, oh we thought that was a good choice like that's, i know yeah that's and it's, beautiful it's so true and you need to be able to to let yourself grow you need to mm-hmm. be able to like allow that something might not be the best that mm-hmm. it is and you know every season it's like we're not going to change anything and then i'm like no because you can always change because something you, it's like well, why not? You know, and then I'm always like, well, you know what? I love the set, but maybe it could be better. And there's always room to be better. There's always room to like try. And if it doesn't work out, you put it back, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how I see. It. I just feel like we're always evolving. We're always growing. And that's I'm, what our set is doing. Yeah, that's what our set is doing. That's what our podcast is doing. And that's what you're doing, you know, just growth. Mm-hmm. And I think it all comes with taking the risk of putting yourself out there. And it's the hardest part. It's like, like you said, ripping off the band aid. It's just like, going through that like oh i know it's gonna be rough but we're gonna do it but don't Mm -hmm. hold yourself back from doing comedy because someone says you're too hot to do comedy that's the biggest (laughs) piece of shit i've ever heard in my life because if anything it's your superpower like i love when people underestimate me it fuels my fire and i had no problem telling a competitor of mine i made no money off my show no problem he's like did you make any money i was like no but the people who are at my show were pretty freaking important people to me anyways and they loved it and they loved it and they had a great time and now when we relaunch in june i'm gonna make some money yeah mm-hmm. you know and it, it's just that it's like if someone looks at you and like well you're too pretty to do comedy okay and you're fucking greasy like okay you're fucking yeah. greasy and, and you're doing something you love and it's your passion you can't expect that on the first try you're gonna make money i think it's just 
when something's a passion, eventually, if you keep going at it, you're going to get there, mm. you know? So We've literally been working on this for two years, and we have seen... We've made money. We, we got mics, but, like, consistently for two... I just need everybody to realize... <laughs> we literally got mics. Yeah, for two entire years, every single week, we've put hours and hours and hours of work in to make all the money we made reinvested into our set and yeah. into our mics. And I, we can't even say we've made money, but it's just like I've never once been like, maybe we should stop because we're not going to get yeah. money. It's like I'm fueled mm-hmm. by like, yeah, just keeping going, keeping, keeping going. And like a lot of people work. stop right before they're about to make it. And I'm never going to get to that point where I'm like, we could have almost got there and we didn't. Like, I'm not fucking stopping. Yeah. You know, no, don't. So- and you guys have something amazing here. And that's what I was saying. It's like, I know we were talking about it before, but it's like at the end of the day you have a story, people are going to relate to it. Clearly, you have your audience who relates to your story. So what are you even worried about? Mm-hmm. The audience will tell you you're funny. Your whole network has already confirmed that you're funny and you're likable. So you don't need Tom, Tim, and Jerry in a basement of a bar telling you you're not a real comic. Okay, you can go be a real comic in your basement bar for the next 30 <laughs> years and I'm going to keep working and doing my shit because I don't have time for this crap. And, and that's the point where I got fed up. And I know it sounds abrupt and a little bit like rough, but it's like I put in the work for the past six years. I did my duty, but you can also grow. You're yeah. practicing public speaking. It's not much different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's transferable. So you go up, you tell yourself, you throw a free show for your audience. You guys see that you're doing a panel. Well, now I'm going into marketing terms. The, co- the <laughs> no, podcast is over, but. You're giving us your whole- when, when your comedy show ended, uh, David, Veronica's boyfriend, Hi, David. Um, was like, do you see yourself doing something like this? I'm like, I, I don't see myself getting up and just like being a comedian. But my vision for like this podcast, one of it is that we start to grow such a network that like we just visit different cities and we just do like live um, shows. That would be amazing. So I'm like, it's, it's she's like, I'm a producer. Oh, I'm going to produce it. <laughs> no, because it's I believe like, in it. You signed yeah. the contract. You, you, I believe in it. Because and then David was like, it's easy. You're just going to take your green grass wall. We're like, yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We were just going to take our two chairs. Whoever wants to come. No, no, no. We're going to go bigger than that. But essentially, that's <laughs> it, right? It's it's If you really think about what you guys do for people, right? And I am speaking as now I'm stepping away from the comedian side of me and I'm going producer <laughs> marketer mode. When people listen to your podcast and they watch the videos, you're not much different from a comic. It's content that is relatable. You're still saying a story. You're You're, just not doing it with an audience. You're doing it with a camera. Yeah, you're doing it with actually a larger audience and a more difficult audience to connect with. Mm -hmm. I get direct validation if something works or not. You guys got to wait 24 hours to get your stats. Do we have to pay you for this? <laughs> no, like I'm said, fucking. Once this is done, I'm like, okay, I got some ideas. But for me, that's my life mission. I'm like, I have the knowledge. I'm gonna help as many people as I can help. Why? Why gatekeep? Screw that. People yeah. who gatekeep are losers. So <laughs> it's fucking gross. But it's stepping outside of yourselves and being like, you already have something to say. You already have an audience. You already have people that are watching your podcast. Being like, I connect with her. I relate to her. I could be her best friend. And that's the real compliment is when you have people come up to you being like, I feel like we could be friends and you already are friends. So it's like, what are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to a Tuesday open mic. You can if you want to, but you don't have to put yourself through that either. Do whatever the hell you want. 
Yeah, I think what also is amazing is that Veronica and I, are as similar as we are, we're definitely different in, in a lot of ways. And I think it's nice that people can watch and be like, I relate to Alessia or I'm so much like Veronica. Like, you have both opinions, which is really nice. I remember I was like at a club or whatever, and she's like, she comes up to me and she's like, I am the biggest fan of Veronica. For a second, I was like, wait, you don't like me? <laughs> What's wrong? But it's like, it's fine. It's, you're never going to be everyone's favorite. Yeah. And as long as like they're watching for one person's opinion, you know, you'll have the people who will like you too. So it's just like, it's nice to know, like, if we were too alike and too similar, it wouldn't work either, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone. But people look up to you. Everyone. I look up to you guys. I, I've, I've said it so many times. It's crazy because like, we're like looking up to people, but like we don't, it's so crazy what people look up But it at. is. I've had people message me too, like auditioning for my show or telling me that I did this and I did that. And we never yeah. think of ourselves that way. We don't actually think we're inspiring anyone, but... Look what you guys did in two years and look at how you grew. Despite what everyone said or compared you to, you guys didn't care. You kept filming. You're like, okay, so when are we filming again? Mm -hmm, and it's yeah. the consistency. And that's the other thing. Just be consistent yeah. and test things out and let them fail and let them work and let them this and let them that. But in terms of comedy, you guys are already fucking funny. Yeah. You already have your demographic on lock. You have the stats. Throw a panel, throw a show, try it out. My friend Joel had his first set on the kickback ever but i matched me guys write in the comments down below if you would love for us to do our first live show here in montreal if we can get enough people maybe we'll consider it maybe, maybe we'll, we'll download tinder and start getting uh hey yeah, guys we're gonna let you know when the live show is happening <laughs> because we already know that you would love to see our girls <laughs> on stage and we're gonna have fun and i'm gonna produce it thank you I so much Eva. thank you guys we're i love you like, we're so happy you came <laughs> Um, Veronica, any last words? I don't have any last words. I just want to say, say, say. I can never. It's like I'm always like slick. We were day, Junior. I can never be slick. Um, we're just. I'm really proud of you. I'm sure Leslie's really proud of you. I'm proud of you guys. You for a short time, but it's cool to see other people doing big things in our city and like just being like badass and just like not giving a fuck because I feel like that's what we kind of are. So it's just awesome what you're doing, and I think everybody should check out if you're in Montreal or not. You should check out Kickback MTL. And do you want to give your uh, Instagram your handle. socials? Eva Alexo Comedy. And if you'd like to follow my partner, Micah, it's, this is Micah, I think. <laughs> it's I her think. boyfriend. She's like, I think. I, know, I, I, like, I, I bounce between I partner and boyfriend because I don't know what's corny. Bye, guys. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment down below, and leave us a like.